0: So this morning we're going to talk about just hearing God's voice. And, you know, if I get, as a pastor, is one question that I probably receive more and more uh, of on any subject is, you know, I'm, I'm you know, just struggling to hear God's voice. I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear God's voice because I want to be uh, the person that is faithful and obedient to the Lord. I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 20 and uh, the the setting of this is uh Moses uh is uh, just, uh, or he's right on the mountain of God, the smoke, the thundering, God speaking to Moses, and, uh, you know, the, I mean, the whole mountain is just quaking, and it says in Exodus 20, now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mo- the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off and said to Moses, you speak to us, we will listen, but do not let God speak to to us, lest we die. And I want to just tell you that many people are comfortable doing that today. It's like, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to let the pastor tell me what to do, or the priest tell me what to do. I'm going to let somebody else tell me what to do, but I'm, I'm afraid of God's voice. But I want you to know that's exactly what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve, that God started coming through the garden. They heard the voice end, and they violated God's law and His covenant. And it says that when they heard the voice of God, they trembled and were afraid, and they didn't want to confront God. They didn't want to see God face to face. And that's really the whole purpose of Jesus coming, is he broke down that wall, that which was the, the picture of the, the veil in the temple where the priest was on one side and the people were on the other side. And the priest would go in and hear from God and make offerings for the people, and the people didn't really want to speak to God face to face. But when Jesus came, while he was actually being crucified on the cross, you'll remember that the veil of the temple was torn in two. It was torn in half, making access for you and I to go directly toward Jesus Christ. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so we don't come to God through any of the saints or even through his mother. We come to the Father through the Son. And that's why Jesus said that he was the door. And if any man goes in and out through him, that man will find life. And Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one could come to the Father except through him. And so then we read in Isaiah chapter 59, and sometimes this is a problem with us hearing God's voice. Isaiah the prophet says, The Lord isn't too weak to save you, and he isn't getting deaf. He can hear you when you call, but the trouble is that your sins have cut you off from God. Because of sin, he has turned his face away from you and will not listen anymore. And so if, you know... David said in Psalm 139, he said, Search me and try me, O Lord, and see if there's any wicked thing in my heart. Am I holding sin in my heart? Am I trying to just live a life of sin and then trying to please God at the same time? Because you see, it won't work. You know, you're not going to please God while you're living a life of sin. And I know that, you know, I mean, I've struggled with sin. I know that many of you have today I don't need to name them. I don't need to list them. You know what you struggle with. And the issue is today that if we're honest with God, if we'll confess our sins before God, not try to hide it. David said, when I tried to hide my sins, he said, I was just tormented inside. He said, my bones were weary and I was exhausted. You know, I was just worn out with tears crying to the Lord. And God's saying today that if you really want to shake sin, if you want to get it out your life all you have to do is just say Lord change my heart change the way that I look at it because there are many times there were sin in my life that I just thought you know what in this situation I'm going to choose sin over God and that broke God's heart and it breaks God's heart when you and I do that today when we choose sin over God so the right thing to do the godly thing to do is if you've got sin in your life ask God to change your heart Ask God to take that sin away. And that's exactly what I did when, you know, there was a sin in my life. And I, I remember telling, you know, uh, a, a friend of mine, he was actually a missionary at that time. And I just said, you yeah, know, I've got sin in my life and I, I really enjoy it. You know, the Hebrew writer says that there is pleasure in sin for a season. And so all you have to do, and it's simple as this. Just ask God, Lord, let that season be over. Take me from a season of sin and... To a season of righteousness and walking with you and seeking your face, I promise. If you pray that prayer, God will move. That that's what that's what shakes God. When you pray that prayer, God's like, man, I'm I'm in, I'm in to help you overcome sin. All right, and so I'm gonna I want to just kind of skip to uh, Luke chapter. I'm sorry, John uh, chapter. I think it's 20, 21. and um, in John twenty one, Jesus has already been. Uh, risen from the grave. He's appeared to the disciples twice now, and this is the third appearance to uh, to them, you know, that Jesus, after the resurrection, was on the earth. He walked on the earth. The Bible says that he met over 500 people uh, during that time. Paul's writing this, and, you know, he's saying, if you don't believe me, honestly, you can go ask these five. The death and burial that saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ, after the crucifixion, after the death and burial in the tomb, they saw the resurrected Christ. And so, uh, this is kind of interesting and I don't know if you guys have ever picked this up I'm sure you have because you're a good Bible student but uh, there, there, there's a couple of things that you know that just kind of like really kind of grip my mind when I think of this and two stories that in the in in Jesus's ministry he starts out his ministry in John chapter 2 well John chapter two, this is before the first miracle. he uh, turns the water into wine, His disciples are there. and then in the very beginning of the ministry, he goes to the temple and he cleanses the temple. And then we see after that uh, another occasion where Jesus goes to the temple early early on. He cleanses it in, in John early on, and then in Matthew, at the end of his ministry, just before he goes up to be crucified at Jerusalem, he cleanses it again. And so it's easy to get those, you know, two stories, but it's two different cleansings of the temple. And then we also see that the, when, when Jesus called the disciples, what were they doing? Remember what they were doing? What were they doing? Fishing. And remember it said that they, in Luke chapter 5, it talks about this, that they had such a great catch of fish that it was breaking the nets. And here at the end of Jesus' ministry, he's just about to ascend up into heaven, he meets with the disciples, and that's what this story is about, that they're catching fish again, such a great catch. In fact, the Bible even numbers the number of fish that they caught. We'll read in just a moment. So, at the beginning of his ministry, they have a great catch, and at the end of the ministry, they have a great catch. The first great catch, the nets begin to tear. The second great catch, it's like they were amazed that such a great catch and the nets didn't tear. We'll pick it up in John chapter 21. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And so they cast the disciple whom... And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's speaking about John, not John the Baptist, but John, uh, James and John, they were the sons of Zebedee. And... Um, It says that, and John is also the writer of this book, that that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment... And because he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. And the other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon went aboard, and uh, they hauled the net to shore, full of large fish, 153 of them. There's been all kind of speculation about that. You want to know what it really means? They caught 153 fish. Okay. It said, although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him who you are. They all knew that it was the Lord. And Jesus came to them and took bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this is now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, you remember, those of you who remember the story, remember when Jesus was being crucified and during that trial, that Simon Peter was asked if he knew Jesus or if he was one of the disciples. And he denied that three times. And so Jesus asked him the question. And I believe that because he renounced him three times, he had to confess him three times. And Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I'm between feeding, he said, tend my sheep. What's the difference between feeding sheep and tending sheep? Anybody know? Okay, all right. Feeding, feeding sheep, how would we feed the sheep today? This is the flock right here, okay? You're not talking about, you know, a shepherd out there in the field right now, you know, taking food to him. If you're feeding God's sheep, what are you doing? The, the, word, of God. the word of God, amen, all right. Giving them the Word of God. I'll say, okay, so we're feeding sheep, and what's the difference between feeding sheep and tending sheep? Say it again, loud. Taking care of them, okay. All right, well, I looked it up, and it says to look after, to watch over, to care for, and to minister to. Okay, so it's not just giving them the food that they need, but just kind of like helping. And we would call that discipleship today, right? Just kind of helping people on their way, helping them in their walk with the Lord. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. And I want to just tell you that, you know, all of this didn't happen. He didn't take Peter to a corner and just like whisper in his ear, you know, the other, you know, Judas is dead now. So there were now 11 disciples. But Jesus is having a heart-to-heart with Peter, with all the other disciples around, and they're hearing this as well. And he said to him the third time, Simon, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself, walk wherever you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after that saying, he said to him, Follow me. Now, Peter is hearing the word of God. Remember that, you know, that John says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and became as God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus was the Word of God. You've got the, the, I mean, the visible, tangible Word of God standing right there in front of you, and He's saying to him, Follow me. The word of God is saying, follow me. And Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that's speaking about John again, uh, following them. And the one who had leaned against him during the supper, and he said, Lord, who is this that's going to uh, betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And you know, and I think that many times in our walk with the Lord today, we see somebody that has a great ministry, you know, upfront ministry. And maybe God hasn't called you to that. I do, I want to say this. I believe that God has called every one of us uh, for acts of service and love and gentleness and kindness. And, you know, you may not be a great preacher, but every one of you has a story about what God has done for you, where you used to be and where you are right now. And that's what you can share with people. People can argue with you about the Word of God. I mean, you can get in all kind of doctrinal differences about the Word of God. But let me tell you this. No one can ever argue with you about what God has done in your life if you give Him the glory. And to me, that's probably the greatest testimony that we have is we can tell people about what God has done in our life. So I want to talk to us this morning about, you know, I've just got four points and by the way, we're having communion this morning, so I'm going to move through this quickly as quickly as I can um, the Bible tells us that that God speak to us speaks to us in different ways, and as I said earlier, I know that many people struggle with you know hearing the voice of God, just like you know God just reasoned is it should be make it plain to me you know I, I want to know what you want, what's your will for me, but for some reason it's just like you know, I mean, even in this room right now, I mean, there, there are invisible things that you can't see in this room right now. There are radio waves that are going through this room right now. You don't see them. but And there are TV waves that are going through this room. There are wireless internet waves that are going through this room. And if you have the right equipment, if you have a, you know, a wireless device or, uh, you know, something that can pick up on those signals, then you then you get it. You know, if you got a TV, you can pick up on the signals. you got a radio, you can pick up on those signals. But God's speaking. I believe that God's, you know, the Holy Spirit, His Word is just going out, just like a signal, trying to get to our hearts. But, see, sometimes we put God on the back burner because we think that our business is more important than God's business. And we kind of say, you know, Lord, I'll get to you, and but let me do this first. But remember what he said to the man that, you know, put his hand to the plow? He said, if you put your hand to the plow, you're not even worthy to come into the kingdom. And so he says that, you know, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things. What other things? Well, he's talking about your clothes, and you know what you're going to drive, and you know what you're going to, where you're going to sleep, your house, and you know uh, what kind of job you're going to have. He says, seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be taken care of. He says, God says, look at the birds of the air. He said, man, you know, he says, they don't worry. He said, they don't toil. He said, God provides for them. He says, look at the lilies of the field. He says, even Solomon in all of his glory with all the gold and all the silver that Solomon had, he says, the glory of Solomon is not even compared to the lilies on the field. He says, if God cares about the lilies, doesn't he care about you? He does. He does. All right, so... Number one, I'm going to just uh, uh, again. God speaks to us through truth. This is from Second uh, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen. The whole Bible was given to us by inspiration from God and is used to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong. I was saying earlier, it straightens out, it straightens us out, and helps us to do what is right. That's what I was saying earlier. The Bible is true. So when we read the Word of God. And we start compromising the Word of God, and we say, I'm going to do everything except this. And, you know, you can just put your hand on that. I mean, it could be drugs, alcohol, pornography, you know, your relationship, marriage, uh, you know, are you living a lifestyle that God is, is pleasing God? The Bible says that marriage is honorable in the sight of the Lord. So it could be any of those things, or if you got anger or rage in your heart, if you got some unforgiveness, somebody did something to you, maybe cost you your job, cost you, you know, your finances, somebody cheated you out of something. You know, I mean, you have two things that you can do. You know, you can, um, you know, you can forgive them or you can harbor the bitterness and unforgiveness. And someone said, I think Greg uh, uh, mentioned this a couple of weeks ago at our Wednesday morning prayer study, that, you know, when, when you have bitterness and in, in judgment and unforgiveness in your heart, it's like. You know, like taking the poison pill and hoping that it affects somebody else. It's getting you. It's hitting you. It's eating you up. And I, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times that I've talked to people that it's like, oh, man, it's just like, <laughs> you know, Ron, I've got this against you. And, you know, you hurt me. You hurt my feelings or something, you know, like months ago or years ago. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. You know, if you would have come to me earlier, I would have apologized and said, I'm sorry, please forgive me. You know, it's like, you know, the other person doesn't even know that's going on. And you, you're just in turmoil. You know, you're eating up on the inside because of something that somebody else has done or, or you think that they've done. And, you know, it's like they don't have a clue. And this is all just chewing you up and eating you. It's eating you alive. And so, in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, it says, every word of God, speaking about the word of God, the word of God is true. Every word of God is true. He is a shield to those that take refuge in him. And so, um, you know, I want to just say this up front, that sometimes the word of God is not politically correct. Uh, It will challenge you. It will offend many. Uh, It's not uh, very offensive. It's not popular. It's not popular by consent. You know, sometimes it's very, very offensive. And Jesus said that many are going to stumble because of this, and that's why he tells us to count the cost. You know, you're going to, your family's going to be offended. You say that you're a Christian, you say that you're born again, there may be members in your family that are absolutely offended at this and don't want anything to do with you. You know, uh Um, I've had it happen, and you've had it happen as well. And then, you know, of course, they go to that, oh, you're holier than thou, you're this, you're that. It's just like, no, I'm a sinner that's washing the blood of the Lamb is all I am. You know, I'm just like you, except I've been forgiven my sins. And if you want to harbor that, you know, that and keep your sin to yourself, the Bible says that you will die in your trespasses and your sins. And then, you know, let me just say this so that we're all clear. That when God created Adam and Eve, and when God created you, he created you for eternity. And I know that, I mean, I've talked to many people. They said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to hell. Just kind of flip it. You know, I mean, when I was, you know, out of high school and in the army and running with a bad group, um, you know, it's just like we're all going to hell. We'll have a big party in hell, you know. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, yes, there is a hell, there is a heaven. And you're going to live eternally in one of those places. There's no place in between. You are going to live eternally either with God or you're going to live eternally without God. And it's God's heart today. God is crying. God is screaming. Please, please repent of your sins. Turn from your wicked ways and come to the Lord. Come and acknowledge Him. Come and bow your knee at the cross of Jesus. God speaks to us in our trouble. How many of you can identify with that? God speaks to us. Listen, it says, sometimes it takes painful experiences for us, to, uh, for us to make us change our ways. That's from Proverbs chapter 20. And David said, I used to wander off until you punished me, and now I closely follow all that you say. Again, David said, "It have happened to me, 19, the punishment that you gave me was the best thing that could have happened to me. Nobody would say that. Nobody. We don't think that punishment is good. You remember when you were a kid and your mother says, wait till your father gets home? How many of you remember that? I mean, that was a daily saying at my house, you know, wait till your father gets home. And uh, man, that was a long couple of hours. Um, But, you know... David said, the punishment you gave me was the best thing that could have happened to me, for it taught me to pay attention to your law. And they are more valuable to me me than silver and gold, than millions of silver and gold. You know, uh, C.S. Lewis said once that indeed the safest road to hell, listen to this, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. He goes on to say that habits are extremely important. They are also frustrating, and experts say that it generally takes between two and three months to establish a habit, but it only takes two consecutive days to begin breaking the habit. The devil understands this as well, and thus his strategy is to gently nudge us in the wrong direction. He knows that if we truly saw where we were headed, that we would immediately turn around So he now just gently and softly leads us in the wrong direction, knowing that momentum is a difficult thing to change. Lewis also said that pain is like God's megaphone, that God whispers to us in our pleasure, he speaks to us in our conscience, and he shouts to us in his pain, or in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I've noticed that if you apply... God's word or truth to your trouble, that you'll get out of trouble pretty quick. Now, I heard this guy that he was talking about a baseball coach that he had or a basketball coach. And he said that, you know, the the coach was constantly on me. He was constantly just picking on me, you know. Even the smallest detail, the coach and just said, look, you know, do it this way. Don't do it that way. This is do it. Finally, the guy, just, he just walked up to the coach and just said, look, enough. You know, I'm just, you know, I am, I'm full of it. I'm, I've had it with all of your picking on me. And uh, he said, you know, the reason that I'm doing this, because I can see greatness in you that you can't see. And I want to tell you that God sees greatness in every one of you that you can't see. And he's trying to shape you and mold you to make you great for the kingdom of God. Aristotle said it this way, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but it's a habit. Developing good habits and being vigilant about maintaining those habits will lead to life of excellence. And Many of you grew up and you had, you know, maybe your parents were strict on you and you saw the kids across the street. They got to do everything that they wanted to do. And, you know, it's just like, you know, why can't my parents be like, you know, so-and-so's parents? I remember my kids say that to me. You know, well, so-and-so, they let their kids do this. And I'm like, I'm not so-and-so. You're you're living here. This is the way that we're going to do it. And, uh, you know, and I know that, you know, many of those people that um, were able to do things that they really wanted to do many, many years ago are now rejecting it. But I want to tell you that you're going to listen to somebody. You're either going to listen to your parents, and if you don't listen to your parents, you're going to listen to your teacher. If you don't listen to your teacher, you're going to listen to your principal. If you don't listen to your principal, you're going to listen to the truancy officer. If you don't listen to the truancy officer, you're going to listen to the probation officer. And if you don't listen to the probation officer, believe me, you will listen to the warden. And that's just the way that it is. I'm sorry. You know, we've got to get to the place where we listen to the Word of God, and we embrace the Word of God. David said, man, I love this. I love this stuff. I love your Word, God. I love your commandments. I love your statutes. I love your precepts, you know. And I used to be like, oh, God, man, I've got all of this. It's like a chain keeping me, a ball and chain keeping me from doing the things that I wanted to do. But when God would give me a little slack, The next thing I know is Ronson, I was trying to get, and I'm crying out, God, get me out of the pit, get me out of this, please, please, please. And he's like, I was trying to get you out of it, that's why I had the ball and chain, that's why I had the word of God, that's why I had had my precept, listen to my word. Uh, Attend, you know, Solomon over and over again in Proverbs, he's like, you know, my son, listen to words of wisdom, listen to words of understanding, listen to words of knowledge. You know, it will create in you a great life, a better life, the greatest life that you could know. That's what Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Not to shackle you, not to ball and chain you, but to give you freedom. For freedom, for freedom, Christ has set us free. God speaks to us through uh, the Holy Spirit anointed men and women, anointed preachers and teachers. Listen to John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, "...the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will be your teacher and will bring all things to your mind, all the things that I have said." Again, in Job chapter 33, it says, For God speaks again and again in dreams and visions. This is another way that God speaks to us. Um, Visions of the night. When deep falls on men as they lie on their bed, He opens their ears in times like that and gives them wisdom and instruction, causing them to change their mind, keeping them from pride and warning them from the penalties of sin and keeping them from falling into some trap. That's what Job is saying. You know, God's word is keeping us from falling into some trap, keeping us from destruction. And then finally, in John, or uh, the fourth point, that God speaks to us through uh, impressions. I think I left off Joel 2.28, um, but I'm going to skip over it. Um, God's, what, is, what is an impression? How does God speak to us through impressions? Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, and This is one you really got to be careful with because our flesh has a tendency to kind of jump in there. But, you know, it'll say you're, you know, you're in that place where you start dating. And, you know, if you're a girl, you'll date this guy. what Nina said. Not so good. Um, you'll date this guy. Hmm, pretty good. That's what Nina said. And uh, <laughs> date, date this guy. Eh, not so good. You keep thinking, you know, guy number two is better. You go, you day, guy number four, and you're really thinking guy number two is better. And so, yeah, it's just like you have this feeling. You have this feeling, you know, deep within you, you know, that, uh, you know, like this, God's just kind of impressed this upon me, you know. Um, I mean, the same thing, uh, you know, can be said, you know, about, uh, you know, if you're buying a house, you look at house number one, yeah, it's okay. House number two, yeah, I kind of like that. You look at house number three, and it's like, nah, I still kind of like house number two better. And you go to the fourth one, it's like, you know what? I think house number two is the one. This, is, It's kind of like God impressing upon you. Now, you have to test that spirit. Let me just tell you that, you know... Uh, God's never going to impress on you something that is contrary to his word. He's never going to impress upon you to walk in a way of sin. He's never going to tell you that if you're married, hmm, girl number two over here, I I think I made a mistake. You know, I should have, you know, taken number two instead of number one. And so I'm going to leave number one. I'm going to go for number two. God's not going to tell you that. God's not going to tell you that. I'm sorry. You know, I am sorry. And um, it's like, come on, God, please. I'm praying for a divorce. Get me another wife. I'm ready to trade her in. I need a newer model. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> you know, I was reading. Uh, I think it's in First Kings one. You know where David David is dying. Shalom, God bless you. Uh, David is. Uh, He's on his deathbed, and um, the men come in, and, and you know, he, uh, he's just like, you know, just about there, and he's got his last words to his son, you know, about, you know, he had already gathered, God had told him that he couldn't build the temple, he had a plan, but he gathered all of the gold, all of the silver for the temple, uh, he had a plan for the temple, and uh you know, and God's saying, you know, in your last moment, give this to your son and let him finish the work that I, that I, wanted, that I wanted to be finished. You know, I've, I've asked you to prepare all of this. And so and wh- what that says to me is that, you know, all of us are going to, we're, we're going to pass. You know, we, we, we are in a tabernacle that is flesh, and we're all going to pass from this life to the next. But don't you want somebody to take your place. Don't you want somebody to carry your torch? Don't you want the gospel message to continue on after you're gone? And that's why Jesus said to make sure that you're rich in the things of God, not in the things of this world. I mean, you can have both, but you know, one's got to be so much lower than the other. God blesses men and women. Bless many of you, bless myself with, you know, many, many blessings. The greatest blessing I have in my life is knowing that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And to pass that on, leave a legacy to your children and to your children's children. So, when you get this impression and you're not sure, you know, if it's from God or not, First uh, John chapter 4, uh, verse 1, it says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit uh, to see whether they are of God. Now, see if this is of God or not. In Proverbs chapter 14, It says, before every man there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right, but the end of that road is death. And so, you know, you need to examine, you know, I mean, does this, what what I feel, what I feel impressed in my heart, does it line up with the word of God? Do you have peace about it? And re- finally, in Revelation chapter 2, and Jesus is writing to one of the churches, and guys, I want to just tell you that I believe that every one of us struggle with this area right here, that Jesus, this is the church at Ephesus, and Jesus said, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but they are not, and have found them to be false and weary. You have also persevered and endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. He says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. And so what that means is that, see, you can get busy doing things for God. It's like, you know, all of a sudden, you're just, you're just busy. You're doing things for God. It could, you could be doing good things. You could be reading the Bible. You could be praying. You could be serving. You could be in some kind of ministry. But you can do it out of routine. You know, it's just because we've always done it this way. And Jesus said that, I'm grateful for the things that you've done. I'm grateful for the things that you're doing. But somehow along the way, you forgot me. And you're just going through the motions right now without me. And he's saying, return to your first love. Return to your first love. And that's what God's saying to every one of you this morning. Return to your first love don't get so preoccupied in this land, in this life, that we forget our first love. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.